interest me ever since I was a kid. Because so often when Christ is presented in the Gospels, he's presented, and we use this word that we don't use a lot in the English language called meek. He was very meek. Meek does not mean that you're a weak person. Meek means that you have power, but you keep that under control. And Jesus, when he cleanses the temple, is one of the few times on this earth where you almost see him let go of that power and be able to step in and do something here. You know, what happens is, if you look in verse 45, it says, Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus went in here, he cleansed the temple. In other passages in the Gospels, it talks about him overturning tables. And this was a very forceful thing. This was not Christ going in very calmly, very orderly, saying, Let's form a single file line, and everybody please leave the temple. This was power. And I love this. Because Jesus, through so much of the Gospels, is getting ridiculed, mocked. Eventually he gets beat, he gets spit upon. So it's like this opportunity where he gets to stand up for himself. It's like when you watch one of those movies where the person is picked on all movie, and finally at the end they stand up to that bully. And you love that. Well, here's the thing, though, about Jesus. He may have went in in anger, but did not let his anger control them. This is a very important point. There's different types of anger in the Bible. There's something called a righteous anger. A righteous anger is where you are angry, you have a right to be angry, you're frustrated, you're upset about what happened. The Bible makes it clear, and your anger do not sin. So we get angry, it's a righteous anger. But what happens is if you let your flesh get the best of you, that righteous anger becomes sinful anger. You can start out righteously angry. Someone has wronged you, someone has said something, someone has done something to you. You have a right to be upset about that. But what happens is you hang on to that anger, and that righteous anger becomes sinful. When Jesus went into the temple, cleansed the temple, overturned the tables, knocked everything down and out, this was a righteous anger. Why? Because verse 46, the temple is supposed to be a house of prayer, not the den of thieves. He was righteously angry in what people had done to the temple. What did they do wrong? we got to know a little bit of New Testament here. What would happen is, as a good Jew, you're required to go to Jerusalem to do yearly sacrifices. So as you would come to do your yearly sacrifices, depending on where you were and how much money you had, you would have to sacrifice an animal, maybe a lamb, maybe some uh, small turtle doves there. So what would happen is, you would not carry those animals with you. If you're making a very long trek from your home to Jerusalem to sacrifice an animal, you would not bring an animal with you. You would get to Jerusalem, and as you got to Jerusalem, you would go purchase an animal to be sacrificed. And these animals would be cleared by the priests, and you could buy the animal. Now, here's the catch. It's just like when you go to Cedar Point and you pay $500 for a bottle of water. They charged you an arm and a leg. So you would do your long travel, and you could have brought your little lamb with you. You get to the temple, and they said that we're here to do our family sacrifice. We need to purchase a lamb. I got a great lamb here, a few miles on it. Looks good. No spots, no blemishes. It is priest-approved. But... They're going to charge you a lot because you have no other option. And also what would happen is a good Jew would come want to pay the temple tax. Well, just like anything, when you travel to different countries and different areas, the money that you had in your home area would not work where they went, so they would go to pay their temple tax, and they would be money changers. Dawn and I, when we first got married for our honeymoon, we went into Canada. So right before you go into Canada, you change your dollars into the Canadian money. Well, guess what? You never get as much. We got back from Canada. We go back to the exact same spot to change our Canadian money back into American money. Trust me, you don't get near as much back as you think you're going to. These people set up shop in the temple to make money. 
These people set up shot in the temple to take advantage of people coming to the temple. Jesus said, enough is enough. Now, does that still happen today? You bet it does. You know I get on my little rants and raves about people on TV, and i got to be careful, because anytime I get on my rant and rave about some pastor on TV, there's always somebody that comes up and says, yeah, but so-and-so is on there, and he's good. And you're right, I've come to this conclusion, so that way no one has to correct me after this message. For every good pastor on TV, there's a thousand bad ones. Let's just go with that ratio, and we'll all be happy. Yes, there's good ones, but there's a lot that seem to be taking Christianity and making it a den of thieves. They're always pushing something when it comes to money. And this is why we wonder why the world has a bad taste in their mouth about Christianity. 2,000 years ago, they were still making Christianity a den of thieves, where Jesus said, let's make it about prayer. You talk to a non-believer, what's one of the first things they say? Well, churches just want my money. And you know what? Some churches do just want your money. But we want the emphasis of church to be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what matters more than anything. If you're saved here today, we want you to walk out of here going deeper in your relationship with Christ. If you're not saved here today, we want to give you an opportunity to know who Christ is. That's the purpose. That's the point. Jesus came in the temple to cleanse this, to say enough is enough, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put an end to this. Now, we have a lot of scriptures we're going to today because there's a lot of points we want to make. With the understanding of what just happened there, why does Jesus get to be the one to do it? Go with the will to uh, John 5 with me. John 5, please. We've established what cleansing of the temple was. we established why he did it. Why does it get to be Jesus? John 5. This passage is our stepping stone to the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about. John 5. See, in John 5, we get a picture of the role of Christ. John 5, verse 24. Jesus speaking in John 5, 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and should not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Now, we all love that. Jesus came to bring life. Jesus came to bring salvation. That's the wonderful gospel message. That's why we're here. But the flip side to that gospel message is verse 27. He's given him authority to execute judgment also because he's the Son of Man. Now, you don't hear that presented too much. You hear the gospel message presented, I hope, clear. Jesus loves you. He took your sins on the cross to give you an opportunity to have heaven. But the flip side of that in verse 27 is if you choose to reject Jesus, He will judge you. He will judge you. That's something I think that's difficult for our minds to think of. We joke out here a lot when we think of Christ. He's always smiling with a really great looking beard with a lamb around his neck. That's what He does. That is true. There's that loving Savior that cares and loves you and wants what's best for you. But the other role of Jesus is if you choose to reject that, there's judgment. That's hard for us to grasp. That's why verse 28 says this. Do not marvel at this. Don't, don't be amazed. Don't be surprised at this point. 
For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Very simply put, Jesus will judge the living and the dead. He is the one that determines their heaven or hell. All authority has been given to Him when it comes to this judgment. Why could Jesus be the one to go into the temple? Because He is the one God gave the authority to be the judge. He is your Savior and He loves you dearly. But He's also the one that executes judgment. And He does it how? He does it righteously. That's the word. Righteously. That word righteously means to be right. It means to be just. It means to be fair. And that's what Jesus is going to do. You don't need to turn there. But in Revelation, it makes this abundantly clear. It says in Revelation 19, when we think about the second coming of Christ, we always think about this excitement with it. When Jesus comes back at the second coming, He's coming back in judgment. Revelation 19, verse 11, you don't need to turn there. It says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. There's that phrase again, in righteousness. His eyes were like the flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And on his robe and on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's Jesus. That's Jesus judging. It's exactly what we did in the temple. See, he is the righteous, just judge, and that if he sees sin, if he sees something wrong, he is going to go in there and to clean that out. That's what he does. He will do that for all of eternity, for those that choose to reject him, but he also will do that right now in our lives. Because here's the point. See, Jesus went and cleansed the temple. Well, what does Corinthians say? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So guess what? Christ also wants to come into my life, And he wants to see what I've set up in my temple. He wants to see what shops I've allowed, what things I've allowed, what tables have been sitting there for a really long time that shouldn't be there anymore. He wants to see those things I've set up in my temple. Then he wants to come into my life and cleanse my temple as well. Now think about this for a second. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, what things have you allowed to be set up in your temple that Jesus needs to come in and do it? He needs to come in and clean house a little bit. See, here's the thing. I always like to put myself in the Bible. And I always like to say, what things would I like to have seen? I would love to have seen Jesus come into the temple and clean it. But I would want to see it from about 25 yards away. I don't want to be right in the middle of this one. Here's the problem. It's the same thing happens today. Jesus, I want you to clean the temple. I have such joy when somebody from church calls me up and says, Pastor, you know I've been struggling with this for so long. I'm finally tasting victory. I'm finally having victory in this area. You know, I used to struggle with lust, and and God has given me strength. I used to struggle with my anger, with my temper, with unforgiveness and bitterness, cussing, fill in the blank, whatever it is. I used to struggle with them, and I'm, I'm getting victory from the Lord. I rejoice when your temple gets cleansed in Jesus Christ. But when Jesus wants to clean my temple, I am not rejoicing. It's not fun. We have these tables... We have these people, these things, these thoughts, these images that we have set up in our temple, and we like them there. So when Christ comes in to clean it, it's not as much fun. But here's the thing. Jump back if you will to Mark. Mark 11. 
I think it's always interesting to see the different gospel accounts. Because Mark 11 adds just a little bit to this that's important to share right now. So let's put this in perspective. The temple needed to be cleansed. Jesus is the judge. He's the one that could come and cleanse the temple, and He does it in righteousness. He does it properly. We are a temple. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, according to Corinthians. Christ needs to come into our lives and cleanse those areas that need to be taken out with us. Now look here in Mark 11. Look at verse 15. Let's read Mark's account of this. So they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables and the money changer and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And then he taught, saying to them, It is not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Once again, this is Jesus in verse 15. There is a righteous anger to this. Now, here's the important point. This is not Jesus just flying off the handle. This is not Jesus just saying, enough is enough, I can't put up with this anymore. I struggle with that sometimes as a parent. I hear kids crying, I go into the room, I see tears, I see blood, and my first response is, I just want to start disciplining. I don't even know who's wrong, I'm just taking you all out. There's this anger that comes. Jesus did not just walk into the temple one day, see these things, and just get ticked. It's important to see this verse. Stay in Mark 11 and jump back to verse 11. Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The day before Jesus did this, he went into the temple and looked everything out. See, he went and looked first. See, this is what Christ does. Christ looks at my life. I've been walking with the Lord since uh, 93, so it'll be 20 years this fall I've been saved. So for these last 20 years, Jesus has been looking at my body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he says, you know what? It's time for me to move and clean out some of these areas. Now I sit there and I throw my little spiritual hissy fit. You know, Lord, why are you doing this? Why are you making my life difficult? He's not doing anything hastily. He loves me. For 20 years, he has looked at me. He has seen my life, and he sees the areas that need to be cleansed. And so therefore, he now goes into the temple and says, I have the right to do this. I am the righteous judge. And I will come into the temple and I will clean those areas that need to be cleansed. Now what happens when God tries to clean your temple? Usually we pout, we fuss, we whine. Really what is happening is God has been looking at us for years and says it's time. It's time to get rid of those areas. It's time to get rid of those deep-rooted bitternesses that cause pain and issues, etc. And here's the thing, how does He do it? He doesn't do it in anger. He doesn't do it in frustration. Look what one more time at Mark 11. He cleanses the temple in verses 15 and 16. And in verse 17, Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. I remember one time seeing a movie about Jesus cleansing the temple. And Jesus went in there, and he's throwing tables over left and right. People are scurrying. Animals are running. And Jesus is yelling this. He's yelling this at him that my house should not be a house of prayer and all this stuff. And I, yeah. Well, according to Mark 11, he taught them. He overturned all the tables. And I don't want to add to the scriptures, but it's almost like he said, okay, everybody, calm down now for a second. Let me tell you why I did this. I know for me, and I'm still trying to learn how to be an effective parent. I know for me, I'm not really that effective when I'm yelling. I'm more effective when I say, guys, let's talk about this, and this is why we need to do this. You have to teach. 
How are people supposed to learn unless they are taught that what they were doing is wrong? Jesus just could have walked into the temple, flipped everything over, screamed a couple verses, and left. What would have come out of that? Nothing. He stopped, he taught them what was wrong, and he taught them what needed to be done right. That is our responsibility as Christians. I could be up here as a pastor, and I could just yell at everybody all day. What good does that do? I know pastors that when you walk away from their message, you just think, boy, he's mad. We want to teach. This is the right path. Walk in it. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to do. Yes, I cleansed the temple. Yes, I overturned the tables. Yes, I drove the people out. Now let me teach you on why I did that. Now, do they want to be taught? I don't know. Turn to go to Proverbs, please. Proverbs 12. See, when Jesus is trying to cleanse the temple of your life, and He's trying to cleanse the temple of my life, do you really want it to be cleansed? Do you really want to be taught? See, a sign of maturity is that you want to learn. You want things to be different. And it's our responsibility then to say, I want to teach you how things are to be different. Look here at Proverbs 12. Just a couple quick verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 12, let's look at verse 15. Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Here's the thing. When you're walking in foolishness, when you're walking in sin and the temple is not clean, you think you're okay. I think I'm okay. I'm right in my own eyes. Have you ever not sat down with somebody and tried to speak to them truth and they just don't hear it? They have convinced themselves that the path they're going is correct. Please go to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. One more verse on this. I don't know how many times over the years I've talked to somebody who has prayed themselves into thinking they're right. Have you ever done that? I've done that. There's something I want so bad, and I want the Lord to work out so bad, that I'm praying and praying and praying. And next thing you know, I prayed myself into, I must be right. There's things that I want to be so right that I just take a scripture. And I don't twist the scripture. I just nudge it, just a little, to make it sound a little bit better for me. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. See, here's the thing about this. The people in the temple, they probably didn't think what they were doing was wrong. They needed the righteous judge to come into their life to point that out to them to cleanse the temple. And your life and my life, there's things going on right now that we really don't think are wrong. We don't. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Well, I think what I'm doing is okay. But what's the Lord think? I haven't asked him. So I think I'm okay. See, it's so vital to check with the Lord, see what the Lord thinks about this. Everybody in the temple just thought this was standard procedure. I travel with my family, just accept the fact that we're going to buy a lamb... And the lamb's going to be really expensive. Just accept the fact I'm going to have to exchange money. It's going to be really expensive. That's just the way it is. We accept it. How many times have we done that spiritually? I just need to accept the fact that you have a temper. That you're just going to fly off the handle on things. You just need to accept the fact that I have a temper. You just need to accept the fact that if I don't get my way, I'm going to pout for a while and really whine and fuss. That's just who I am. No. Why are we allowing those things to be set up in the temple? They need to be cleansed out. 
Let's check with the Lord. Great verse, and we use this verse all the time when we do communion, and I encourage you to pray this on a regular basis for yourself. You don't need to turn there, but it's Psalm 139. Psalm 139, where it talks about this idea of, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my anxiety, see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, look at my life, see if there's something in my life that is not right, that is not proper, and now lead me in the path of righteousness. Lord, come into my temple. Cleanse whatever areas in my temple need to be cleansed. You are the righteous judge. I trust you, and I want to be everything I can for you. Jesus came in as the righteous judge. He cleansed the temple, and then he taught them. He taught them what was proper and right. Where do we get that from? We get that from the Word of God. Now, one of my favorite verses about this is Hebrews 4.17. Where it says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and how it pierces into the heart. This is one thing I've learned. I have learned the longer I walk with the Lord and the longer I've been a pastor, the best thing I can do to people is give them scripture. That's the best thing. I could sit down with somebody and I could wax eloquently for a long time and they'd get nothing out of it. I've reached the point now when situations pop up, I'll give people scripture and say, hey, go pray over this passage. Meditate and chew over this passage. Let the Lord work on your heart on this. Why? Because Hebrews 4.12 tells me that word of God cuts into the heart. That's what it does. It cuts. God's word promises that it gets into places that my words can't. God's word gets there and it says it doesn't return void according to Isaiah. So I give scripture and I trust that when that person reads and prays over that scripture, that it doesn't return void, it cuts into the heart, and that those scriptures get in there and teach them righteousness. Now, I also have a responsibility as a pastor and as a Christian to be able to help them then to apply that teaching. I don't want to just say, here's a scripture and go with it. Have you ever had that done to you? I've shared this story before. There's there's somebody I used to know that used to come out here on a regular basis. And they would come up to me randomly and just give me a scripture. And so they'd come up and give me the scripture randomly and I'd go look it up. And it would be this funky verse out of the book of Ezekiel that made absolutely no sense to me. So I would read the passage and I would go up to them and say, hey, I read that verse you gave me. And they would say, yeah. And and they'd say, well, what would you get out of it? And I said, "Um, I don't understand why you gave me this verse. And they would say, you don't understand? And they would say, well, I think you need to go pray and read a little more over it. So what I started doing is when this person came up and gave me verses, I would just go up to them and say, powerful. That verse is powerful. I would just read it and tell them it was good because God's word is good. It doesn't do any good for me to say to you, you're struggling. Oh, you're struggling? Go read Proverbs 12, 26. Well, then you read it and say, well, what am I supposed to get out of it? Well, read it, pray over it, meditate over it, and then let's get together and let me teach you on that. Not that I have all the answers, but let's grow together in this. Jesus could have come into the temple, flipped the tables, yelled a few verses, and left. No. He cleansed the temple and then taught them. Taught them on what they were supposed to be doing. That's important for us, is that if you really want this person to change, if you're only to see changes in your spiritual life, allow the Lord to clean the temple. Allow Him to get in those spots that you don't want Him to see. Get rid of those things and then spiritually teach you the right path and then you choose to walk in it. Last passage I'm going to take you to. Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. We've established the fact that the temple was wrong. We established the fact that Jesus is the righteous judge. Jesus had the right to cleanse the temple. In righteous anger, not in sinful anger, in righteous anger... And then we talked about how he taught them the right 
path. He taught them the right thing. And it was important for them to learn. Then Proverbs taught us that there's going to be some people that think they're just right. They need to hear the scripture that cuts to the heart that says, no, these things aren't right. What does scripture teach us? Well, Psalm 119 is all about God's word. It's my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, and it's a big chapter. I think it's like 100, let me check here real quick, 176 verses. And if you look at it, each little section is a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's a real neat chapter here. Well, I want to focus on his verses 9 through 16. They're all good. But the whole chapter is about God's word. How does God's word get into our life and make a change? Look at verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Look at that simplicity right there. You want your life to be different? Then get into the word. As you get into the Word, as you memorize the Word, as you study those Scriptures, something changes. Now, there's two things on this. First off, number one, it's not just reading the verse. Too many times we do that. Fine, I read the verse. I don't get anything out of it. We're supposed to meditate on that verse. We're supposed to contemplate that verse. We're supposed to chew on that verse. Take some time and read it. Pray over it. Lord, what are you trying to speak to me through this? How can this apply to my lives? Too often we just read the verse casually and move on. No, let's chew on this for a second. This is one thing I've started doing also. I mentioned to you before, I like to put verses up on the refrigerator. So what I normally did is I'd find verses that were impacting me, and I'd go to the computer, and I'd get on the website, find the verse, cut and paste it, and print it out. Put it up on the fridge. Well, I was reading devotions a while ago, and I always knew this, but it really hit me, is that when a king of Israel became king, one of the requirements was that they were supposed to write out their own handwritten copy of the law. So therefore, that they would understand the law. They would have read it and understood it. So what I've started to do now with these scriptures is I actually handwrite them out. Now for me, I hate that. I really do. But I get more out of it because I'm reading it. And as I'm reading it, I'm writing it, which makes me read it again. And I'm chewing on it. And you really grow from that. So how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Verse 10. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let not me wander from your commandments. With my whole heart. With everything. Too often we give God just this little bit when we have free time. With my whole heart, Lord, I'm going after you. Verse 11, your word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. I'm going to tell you right now, I can't explain that. I cannot explain how by reading and praying and memorizing scripture, it helps you battle sin. But it does. When Jesus faced temptation in the wilderness, he used scripture to battle back. If you are struggling with an area, you are struggling with a sin, I encourage you to find scripture that deals with it, write it out, memorize it, and quote that when that temptation comes up. If you have a hard time finding a verse you need in that, come check with us. We'll help you find a verse. Verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will chew on this. I'm just not going to read it. I'm just not going to casually glance over it. I'm going to really get into this. I'm going to mark it, underline it, look it up, study it. Verse 16. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Jesus wants to come into the temple and cleanse it to make it a house of prayer. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, according to Corinthians. Jesus wants to come into your life and my life and make our lives a house of prayer. He wants to come in and get rid of all those things that are causing problems. He wants to 
teach us the right path. He wants to use his word to cut into those areas that need to be cut and make us the men and women of God that he's called us to be. Do we want that to happen? I hope we do. It's not an easy thing. It's not a fun thing. But it's one of those things that we will be blessed when we allow him to come in and clean out those areas that need to be cleaned out, cleansed in our lives, in our marriages, in our private moments, all those things. Let's let the temple of God be the temple of God. Mara from Cali, if you guys want to come forward here for the final song. I encourage you, if you have anything that you need prayer for, you're struggling with, come grab me. I'll be standing back there in the back. If you have anything you want to pray over, don't be afraid to come. We'll pray with you just to encourage you. If there's some areas in your life you're like, you know what, I'm struggling with this, and I want that support and encouragement, let us know. We'll help you get scriptures for that. We'll pray with you for those things. That's what we want to be there. We want to help teach the right path to encourage you and to help. We'll give it over to Marvin Cowley here for the final song and let you go with the word of prayer.